On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're exploring race relations in an alternate Britain in BBC One's Noughts and Crosses, sitting patiently while they wheel out yet another adaptation of the H.G. Wells classic with Fox's War of the Worlds, taking a trip to Greece with Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan, and finally, watching what may be the most ITV hour of television ever conceived in the opening of Liar Series 2. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, a show that I returned to after a week of holiday, only to find that Boyd had taken over, changed the locks, thrown out the expanse screeners and rededicated the show to all things Bake Off. In fact, as I sit here in my apron with an elaborate gatto in front of me on the studio table and a souffle gently rising in the oven to my left, I can't help but wondering whether this could be a bold new era for the Pilot TV Podcast. How was it, Boyd? It was good. I'm not sure if you actually mentioned Bake Off at all, did I? Did we? No. It's all the blur. I, I like to think you did. Okay. I did. I mean, I did listen to it. In fact, I have to say, I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, <laughs> I know I did. I thought it was oh, great. I was like, do you know what? I might just retire, so then I can just listen to this and enjoy it. But only if Rufus is on every yes. week. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, he was star, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, he's um, incredible. I'm very sorry I missed it. It mm. seemed like you had loads of fun. We did. Yeah. Loads of fun. I could listen to him read out a phone book as well. He has the best voice, mm. doesn't he? Oh, yeah. It's really like syrupy and like soothing. Yet commanding. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He does get a lot of voiceover work, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. yeah. He should do a podcast. He should. <laughs> yeah. You can take this one. Um, joining Boyd and myself is a woman whose fame probably precedes her at this point. I refer, of course, not to pilot TV broadcaster Beth Webb, but documentarian Elizabeth Webb of the BBC. Beth, what on earth is going on? Well... Elizabeth's not my name, so that's is it a not? Good bit. No. Is it just Beth? <laughs> Bethany. You, oh, is it? <laughs> nice try. <laughs> okay, well, that's a. So uh, I don't know who this has gone horribly wrong, yeah. hasn't it? So I don't know who Elizabeth I Webb did not realise Beth great. was short for Bethany. Okay, all right, fine. Well, there we go. So that's if I were more professional, I'd re record that, but I'm just not going to bother. <laughs> no, this is funny. The, the, your attempt at doing a joke about Beth's okay, name. Okay, what I'm just mis- trying <laughs> to say is that she's all legitimate and yes, BBC we now, say, yeah. and so probably needs to elongate her name in some mm. way. Okay, all right. Well, yes. Uh, well, should we put this in context? What am I talking about, Beth? So I'm talking. You you are talking about um, a documentary. God, I just I can't quite believe it's happened because this is the first time I'm doing this. But uh, I'm presenting a documentary which is airing on BBC Three and iPlayer. Uh, so everywhere but the telly, which has been really hard to explain to my grandmas. Um, and it's on the environmental impact of video streaming which is astronomical. Uh, So I've been fanning about in West Virginia and Somerset and a few other places, sort of learning how the internet works. Is it a spoiler for me to ask what the environmental impact of streaming is? (laughs) (laughs) Do I need to watch the documentary? My guess is not good. Oh, yeah, I'm, otherwise it'd be a really short documentary, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. None, it's brilliant. Go Netflix. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's absolutely huge. But what's um, what's what takes the you know what's using up the what's setting the world on fire? So it's the the internet is stored in data centres. Data centres are powered by massive energy companies over in West Virginia, places like Dominion, and they use like fracked gas and fossil fuels. So there we go. You don't need to watch it now because I've just told you. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, watch it as well. that's the end of it. Oh, thank but you. now it's on next week, isn't it? Yes. What's it called? It's called Dirty Streaming. Right. The internet's. Been we could secret. have actually reviewed it. Really, I mean, you know. It's, I mean, it's, don't. It's, 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 we do do documentaries. We, should, documentaries have we it. should have reviewed we it. We should have reviewed it. Maybe Unfortunately, we'll, Beth yeah. did not provide a screener no, to us. I know. So, so yeah, but it's yeah, it's exciting. I haven't seen and it so, yet. So, so people can see it on iPlayer. Yeah. From 
March the 5th, is that March right? March 5th, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. March the 5th, Dirty Streaming. This it's sounds officially like... a BBC Three show. This is exciting. Yeah. This is exciting. Yeah. I, I can't I've... believe you hadn't told us about it earlier, I have to say. It's, it's because... Is it, it because you didn't think it was fully real until you had a, it was, had a TX state, as we call until it, Until my mum sent me that TV listing <laughs> earlier this week, I because I didn't know if it's going to change. BBC right. is very like... Oh, oh yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, I was just are. like, let's just wait and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I, you did keep this under wraps. You, are you the toast of Swindon? <laughs> I mean, I always was, but uh, uh, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I'm expecting. I guess it isn't. It's. I'm, I'm really interested in it because I've always thought, how you know, how do Netflix and Amazon and all these people, you know, 150 million people watching 4K content? It must something. It, something must give. Hats off to my producers. They are absolutely amazing. I'm just the face. So yeah, it's just me looking very flummoxed all the time, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, and just reacting to everything going on. I get filmed by drones at one stage. That's pretty badass. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's Love pretty nice. Drone. Yeah. This is yeah. very exciting Excellent. stuff. Could All right, well, well, yeah, we'll definitely so we we'll make sure that we watch this by next week's show so that we can uh, we can do a an, uh, a belated review. Oh God, just be nice, please. <laughs> I get my name right. That's all I ask. Yeah. Elizabeth <laughs> Webb <laughs> presents. It's already the first hurdle we've fallen. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> knowing knowing your actual name, this is good. I should also point out you are currently wearing a a t shirt. Mm. Uh, yes. It is a t shirt of the child from the Mandalorian. It is a baby Yoda t shirt. <laughs> But there is something amiss with it. First of all, he's <laughs> reaching for ice cream. It doesn't feel, I've got to be honest with you, Beth, it does not feel like legitimate official Disney merchandise. Is it? So this wasn't what you bought me back from Disneyland? No. 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 Yeah, and I, I know because I bought some official <laughs> Disney <laughs> merchandise. <laughs> yeah, off Baby Yoda. How mm. many Baby Yoda <sighs> merchandise items did you buy? It's just one. I bought a cap, a little Baby just Yoda one. cap with oh, Baby Yoda on the cap. Fun. Yeah, That's, That's lovely. Just that. Wow. Well, this was not from Disneyland. This is from Thailand. And uh, I'm pretty sure I am breaking out in a rush as I'm wearing it. <laughs> Um, it's it's just to walk you through it. It's absolutely batshit. It says uh, under the photo, "Baby Yoda, size matters not," which is not even how Yoda speaks. Like that's not how he would say that sentence. <laughs> There's um, an F missing from the word himself. So it just but I love, I love, I love, yeah, I love the little disclaimer that at the top. There's just a paragraph that says the child is a member of the same alien species as Yoda, <laughs> a popular character from previous Star Wars, but is not a younger version of Yoda himself. Mm. <laughs> So it's like, thank you for that disclaimer. That's very useful, <laughs> with or without the spelling mistake. And then he's got, yeah, the Yoda's proper, baby Yoda's proper name, which is the child. Mm. Well, that, and there's an ice cream cone, is that right? There's an ice cream cone, which I understand is from a, a meme of baby Yoda and not from oh, okay. um, uh, the Mandalorian itself. So it's quite hypnotic. Wild. Mm. I'll, mm. I'll pop it up on Twitter later, a photo of it. <laughs> yeah, I do. I love it, but it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> it's magnificent. Uh, and from that note, shall we head straight into what we have been watching in the past week? Yes. Boyd, what have you been watching? I have been watching... Um, uh, I w- we reviewed last week Flesh and Blood. You did. I listened to it. Good. And um, at that point, I watched two episodes of it, and uh, all four went out last week on the ITV, and I watched the last two. Mm. And I was very uh, pleasantly... No, I wasn't pleasantly surprised. I, I enjoyed the whole thing. I thought it was really good. The thing, I compared it a bit last week to Gold Digger, but actually, in the mm. end, what it's more like was Big Little Lies, kind of structurally. Mm. Um, it kind of hinges on a thing that's happened, a probable crime because there's obviously police invest talking to interviewing the witnesses a la big little lies only series one and you don't know who the crime has been done to or and, and who did it so so it is it is a lot like that um but it but I, I was really impressed by how 
authentic it was. Everyone was great in it, not just Russell Tovey. And the script, I thought, was really strong, very naturalistic dialogue. And, I, and to make that kind of story, which is inherently melodramatic, feel real, and in no way melodramatic, I thought was, was really good. And it, uh, it was excellent, I have to say. Yes. Yes. You also reviewed Altered Carbon last week. I'm very upset that I missed that. Yes. I should be, I should be watching that this weekend. AC fan, aren't you? I am. I do love it. Yeah. I, um, although I, I was listening to it and uh, I noticed you were talking about the, the full frontal nudity and the disappointment. Mm. It sounded a lot yeah. like disappointment. <laughs> oh, for sure. You didn't get to see Anthony Mackie's Winter Soldier. I think that's. I think that's <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> you can practicing that line. That was um, very good. Now, have you watched the whole thing yet? No, no, I haven't oh, seen okay. any of it because yeah. I think it dropped well, on Netflix his, last you night. You don't see his winter shoulder in, a, shoulder in episode one. Um, but, so maybe he gets it in the 10, I think, hours. Yeah. You know. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll hold fun. out for yeah, the they possibility. May, they may delay that yeah. gratification, yeah. so to speak. A cameo down the line. Yeah, right, mm. exactly. Um, what else have you been watching? I've been watching that. Um, I've been watching Hunters. Now, I wanted to mention about Hunters, mm. the, the um, Nazi hunting Amazon Prime series that we also reviewed like, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. Yes. So I'm f- almost at the end of Hunters and absolutely loving it. The more I watch it, the more I like it, I have to say. But it has been, as we expected, we predicted, I think, when we reviewed it, that it would be controversial. And it has, sure enough, there have been a lot of people complaining about it. It's had quite a lot of harsh, I think, criticism. I think an official Auschwitz Twitter account actually um, criticised it. And yeah. I think the reason why, and that's quite a big deal, yeah, for any kind of, you know, creator of something or producer of something to, to, to deal with. And I think the general gist seems to be particularly people complaining that the chess, human chess scene, which is a really horrible mm. scene, I think at the opening of episode two, that, so that did not happen. In, that's not a historical it's a, That's thing. in episode one, I think. It's in episode mm. one, thank you. Um, that, so this was an invented thing invented by the creator of the show, oh. right? And as, as are a lot of the um, the flashbacks to Auschwitz, they're not all, you know, based on th- real incidents that happen. So that, so... You know, I think the criticism has been enough, surely enough sadistic, horrendous things happened mm. for real. So you don't need to make one up. You don't up. need to make one up. And with so much Holocaust denial, it's yeah. not helpful to muddy the narrative. Now, my feeling is, now, I, I feel, I, I feel actually the justification is that as a whole, this series, appealing as it will do to young people, I think is an education and overall. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I don't think you can really sit there fretting about what, Holocaust deniers are going to think about a fictional drama that's obviously a fictional drama. I think that's too much overthinking of it. I think the bigger picture is that this incredibly exciting, entertaining, thrilling show has a lot of it's telling you about the Holocaust from start to finish. And it's all about that. And it's all about what the Nazis did. It's all about anti-Semitism. It's all about Jewish people fighting back. And for me, that bigger picture is more important than the detail of that one mm. scene, which I do admit. Is, is problematic and I think maybe another producer or another you know Amazon Prime have clearly given him free reign to do what he wants to do maybe you know if it, you know, I can't even imagine the show being on the BBC but I bet they would have gone no that's going too far but for me generally as a show I think it's really really effective and I'm really enjoying it and I, and I think yeah I did see that when it came out yeah. and part of me was just like oh god you know it's a TV show but then I, I kind of I understand the argument that there are th- th- this is a very, very seriously horrific incident in history. Yeah. You don't need to add horror to something that is almost beyond human comprehension in terms of the scope of the horror that happened. Sure. And also with so much sort of like, uh, you know, uh, propaganda around trying to to uh, to cast shade on the actual truthfulness of this incident, you know, muddying the water, I guess, doesn't necessarily help that aspect. But then, you know... <laughs> I just don't think anyone's going to go, you know, I don't think no. any fascistic Nazi, you know, neo-Nazi is going to sit there going, oh, look what happened in that show on 
Amazon Prime with mm. all those Jewish people. I just think I think that's a bit ridiculous. Whereas I think what might well happen is this show gets young people thinking about this stuff. The enemies, in the, you know, the, 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 the villains in the show are Nazis and fascists and anti-Semites. Mm. And that alone is, for me, is worth, is worth making the whole thing for and worth maybe having the odd slip in taste. And it is and a fictitious story about yeah. a fourth right. Reich. You of know, there's a, it's a lot of it. It's all extrapolated yeah. fiction. It's not a so, documentary. Exactly. It isn't, it isn't a historical isn't it? drama. No. <laughs> yeah. It isn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I very much enjoyed that. And um, I wanted to make quickly, I mean, I could, there's lots of things. The Outsider, which we've nearly got to the, the final episode, yeah. um, it's still absolutely gripped me, and I think it's fantastic. And I think the job they've done in making this supernatural thing feel real is incredible, because it's still, even though they're, they're kind of just holding back, I and mean, we now know it's completely this supernatural, monstrous thing. Did you read the book? I did no. not read the book, no. But I think the way they're dealing with it is so clever. It's like, for me, it's like a proper object lesson how to do a Stephen King adaptation. It's fantastic. So I'm very much enjoying that. Kobe enthusiasm is still incredible mm-hmm. and even sillier and more stupid than ever. Perhaps we should retitle the section What Hasn't Boyd Been Watching? <laughs> yeah, sorry. And it will make it go. shorter. All right. <laughs> you can talk. You can talk to do that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, if you, you know, your rewatches of Battlestar Galactica I mean, go that's on true. for fucking hours. I do, I do go into painful detail. <laughs> yeah. I do apologise yeah. for that. Uh, Beth, what have you been What have you been taking in? Well, we had to watch about four days worth of television for this episode. That is so true. not loads. But um, something I've revisited this week um search party so i think we've got actually, with alia shawkat oh, yeah i it. watched the first episode of that i tried to like it and it didn't really do it for me but it's supposed to be amazing so now, I, I should have mentioned this in the last episode because this is one where i watched the first episode and absolutely hated it okay yeah. good it's so, not just me yeah no i was like everyone in this irks me so much um but a, a friend who i love implored me to stay with it and i did and and i i absolutely love it is there a third? I believe there's a third season coming out in the spring. Maybe. I, I always so. look to you as like the yeah, oracle no, of, of all so. this. But um, yeah. I just love, once you get over how absolutely terrible they all are, which it turns out is part of the charm. And, yeah. it, you know, they don't shy away from the fact that they're terrible millennials, um, of which I am one. But um, it's just really good fun, kind of millennial murder mystery, a great cast, really well thought out characters, like a really great um, surrounding cast that like you've got Ron Livingston in there and Parker Posey. And it's just it's just really good fun and smart writing. I, I might have to give that a second chance. I've been distracted. Sorry, I'm staring at your notes, not because I'm reading them, but you have the most amazingly neat handwriting I've ever seen in my life, and I can't decide if it makes you a probable serial oh, killer. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, I'm exactly. just looking at that. It's and extraordinary. You know, because I, I have line notebooks, and I can't even write on the lines. No, same here. Like, yeah. I write like a drunken three-year-old yeah, spider. Good. It's yeah, terrible. It's like the notebook scene in Seven, isn't it? Right? Yeah, it's John, <laughs> it's John Doe's diary. Yeah. But it's, that, it's not even cursive, is it? Like, they're, they're, it's they're not separated even letters. And, but they're perfectly formed. Um, no, like, I know. you know, sociopath. So, I had um, scroll interviewed him like Shyamalan for Servant recently, and he said exactly the same thing. He's like, "Oh, you're going to kill me." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's not just it's not just James that's attacking you for being sucked. Yeah, no, yeah, it's good. It's I'm in good company. Shyamalan. I'm not probably knows quite a lot about and my name. So that's uh, you uh, know he's already yeah. one. Yeah, on, uh, James, I would I would so. genuinely kill though to have your handwriting. <laughs> Because I was actually banned from writing in cursive at school because it was just a line of squiggles and dots and stuff around it, and it was just wow, awful. That surprises me. Um, just to say that Search Party will indeed be back for a third season in May this year, and it's moving to HBO Max. Oh, yes. There you go. So I don't know where how where we're going to get it, but yeah, hopefully we will. Wicked. Mm. I look forward to that, and I implore people to go and have a 
just a curious watch. Search party indeed. Mm. Uh, what have I been watching? I finished Lock and Key, oh. which remained resoundingly three star good, but not great oh, all the way okay. through. Okay. I enjoyed it. I think it's fun. I found the ending a little bit of a letdown, but then that, it's it's really just sort of leading into season two. So I will keep watching it. Uh, so there's that. Um, oh, uh, oh, The Walking Dead is back as well. There's, uh, yes. there's, that's that came back last week. I noticed you. Opted not to touch. It's mid-season, isn't it? It's not really a new season. I think I it? mentioned so it in, the, in the and yeah. other stuff. It's just a load of people rum- rummaging around in a cave. This episode, yeah. frankly, yeah. But uh, I quite enjoyed that. However, however, obviously, I have been on holiday. I have been to the US, and I thought if you're going to go to the US, take the opportunity to watch American telly because otherwise, what are you doing? So <laughs> I managed the View, presumably. I don't know what that is. <laughs> RuPaul's uh, Drag Race. Yeah, all of those. No. So I I took the opportunity to watch two things. First of all, I watched the first two episodes of the upcoming new season of. The Sinner which I don't know when's it coming here do we know no, we don't. But my guess is so it's playing out, isn't it? Yeah, on um, whichever network it's on in America. I've, I've completely forgotten. And, but yes, um, I think they wait till it finishes, then they, uh, then they get it on Netflix, so we can watch it all in one go. But so yes, I would say like it's, within it's a couple of months. Really good. It it has a, a ever so slightly different setup Ooh. to the other two because the other two is very much it's been crime is committed and it's all about the why. Whereas there's an element of the why to this, but there's also an element of the what as well. Ooh. So it's uh, so what done it? It's a what done it. Uh, no, I'm enjoying this a lot. Who's so that's the great. New, the new lead guest lead uh, dude in this one it is the implausibly intangibly handsome Matt Bomer and like so much so Uh, he's one of these guys where he's on screen you're like you're not a real person (laughs) no one looks like you and is a real person magic mic fame Oh yeah. yes, indeed. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, Matt Bomer. See this. all of Matt Bomer. <laughs> Matt Matt's Bomer can be seen in, uh, in Magic <laughs> you're Mike. You're a roll. Um, <laughs> you are nonstop today. Your Sorry. knob jokes are really good today. <laughs> um, so the second, the second. There's no knob jokes in this one. Uh, the second show that I watched in the US was the first episode of High Fidelity on Hulu, oh. uh, which is on Hulu. Hulu. So Zoe Kravitz mm. takes on the the lead role in this as Rob, the record store owner, and it's really great because she's awesome. Just always yeah. uh, but really really good in this role and I think it benefits massively from having because I think this show would I think this story hasn't aged well I think to put out a show which is essentially a guy mansplaining music to women I think, I think that's brilliant mm-hmm. whereas actually it's brilliant where it's just her just kind of dealing with tedious men uh, and it's and it, the first episode for that is the only one I've seen it's all about heartbreak and her going through her five biggest heartbreaks in her life and there's lots of the camera stuff she's incredibly charming she's great in the role uh, I will be devouring these so only half hour episodes I say I will be devouring them. I'll be devouring them when they turn up in the UK. And I don't know when that's going to be. Yeah, it's so annoying, actually. There hasn't been any... I haven't seen any announcement of of anyone buying it. And that's the thing with Hulu shows. It's a shame, because I really wanted to watch more, but I was on holiday, and I felt like I should actually do things (laughs) while I was there. So I've only seen the first one, but hopefully it will come here soon, and then we can watch the the rest of it. Yes, please. But uh, High Fidelity, highly recommended. Is it is it the same? It's essentially the same story as the Nick Hornby yeah 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 film, but right. split up into a serious format and right. with with uh, with a female lead yeah yeah good. but uh, yes no, very very good indeed that, yeah. high fidelity <laughs> oh and the other the last thing I want to mention was do either of you watch last week tonight. Uh, yeah, mostly. Some, Last week's night, which I, I maintain is one of the best Oliver, shows yeah. on mm, television. Yeah. So this is HBO in the US, it has on Sky over here, and it is him essentially, it's a little half hour comedy news show where he generally does a little bit of roundup of what's been happening, but takes one big issue and does a deep dive into it. Mm. And I mean, John Oliver is a genius. I he's love him. so funny. Yeah. Uh, and he's really, really good. And he makes 
almost anything, A, funny, but also really accessible. And the one he did, not the most recent one, but the one before, which was the one that I watched when I was away, was uh, the one on Medicare for All. And it's mm-hmm. he does this sort of impassioned defense of the NHS. He talks about it. He lays it out in a really accessible way. And in a way that, because this is a hot button issue in the US at the moment, but there's lots of discussion about what it would cost, what it, this, you know, it would break the economy and all this. And he kind of breaks down in clear terms that none of that is necessarily true and that nobody really knows the, the what it will cost or how it will work or actually could it save money? Will it cost money? Either one of these things could be true. But he, he, he made a re- really good case of that. And I find that given that the world, as we've said many times, is basically on fire for a number of reasons at the moment, I find his very British through an American filter take uh, very calming and comforting. Yes. Um, like when he talks about, when Trump does something awful, <laughs> uh, I find like just listening to him in his sort of very sardonic way deal with it, I find it just makes me mm. more at ease with it's it all. It's very comforting for the liberal elite it has to be yes yes exactly um, but no, what it is I do watch it. you just reminded me that of course I did actually stay up because I'm obsessed with American politics mm. and I did stay up and watch the uh, Democratic debate on I think it was Wednesday till 3 in the morning oh did well. you which included the, the, my moment of the week which was when Mike Bloomberg who's mm. the billionaire kind of really Republican but somehow Democratic uh, contender who's trying to buy the whole election mm. um, was asked about his support for China because obviously he's got massive business interests in China and, and, and he basically said oh yeah the Chinese um, leader isn't really dictated because he has to answer to the Politburo. That was his answer about China, and I thought that was great. Genuinely, pathetic. excellent. Yeah, there you go. Well, yes, love John Over. Even if I don't always agree with him necessarily, I always respect. Mm, yeah, 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 he's exactly. he's he's very good. I also remember, do you remember him, him in Community? Oh my god, yeah. 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 It's it's really kind of hard sometimes <laughs> to sort of tie those two things together. Yeah. But yeah, he's hysterical. Loads of fun. Wasn't he Zazu in the Lion King? He he is also Zazu in the new Lion King. Yeah, Yeah, he does many, many things. Many things. (laughs) Um, Now, it's the point where we would normally get on to a listener question. I have not prepared a listener question because, as you all know, I was was preparing for this right up to the last second. I've done nothing this week. It's been chaotic. The listeners feel so let down. I know. It's just, in A, I'm jet-lagged. B, Mm. I'm ill. I've probably... Already oh, smitten with coronavirus as we speak. As are, us, then. As are both of you. Can I just pop that out for, for so, poor James Dyer? And I had to enter this very podcast into an awards category thing this morning. You didn't uh, have to. I like to think you wanted to yes. because it's award winning yeah. caliber. Yeah. I did do that. I did do that. And I had to create a clip reel of the best moments. Whoa, which, let me tell you, you, was particularly hard to do. Uh, so that was hellish. So I did solicit people on Twitter to give Not me suggestions. Not because there aren't good moments you hasten to add. Yes. I mean, it's no. so difficult to find. It was, it was so how do you, there's yes. so much gold, Boyd. I yes. just didn't know where to mine. Yes. Um, and I, you know, everyone on Twitter was wildly unhelpful. Uh, Why uh, don't you submit a supercut of Terry calling you a bellend? Thank you, <laughs> thank you. I'll do that. Yeah. Quite a few people. I mean, said can that. we yes. just do that anyway? Yeah, I I mean, aren't, we, aren't we going to an awards ceremony for the podcast next yes, week? We, we have are. been nominated. We are. For We're nominated for yeah. another one yeah. next week. So yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. What have you been nominated for? This is the Publisher Podcast Awards is next week, and it's the British Podcast Awards that I've just nominated us for. So, so you know, that's all good. So if any of you out there happen to be jurists (laughs) on either (laughs) of those two awards please exert influence yeah Please we're skew the results. Like, can we make clear we're not offering money or We're anything. not offering bribes of any kind. We're just asking yeah. nicely. Just kindness. Yeah. That would be good. Um, so we can we can try and do an off-the-cuff, unprepared question, oh, or we okay. can skip it. What do you reckon? I don't mind. What do you reckon? Go for it. Fancy yeah, yeah, yeah. this. I mean, it's okay. a question. But... Okay. All right. Richard Norris says, Hi. If you could choose any working director to move from film to long-form streaming series, who would it be? Ooh. Lynn Ramsey. Lynn Ramsey. Mm, what would you have her doing? Oh, crap. 
<laughs> give me a minute. Some sort of noiry, female-fronted thing. That's as far as it goes. Okay, good. You asked for off the cuff. I'm sold. <laughs> I am sold. Lynn Ramsey for the win. Uh, Boyd, who would you pick? Well, I think I'm going to pick someone who I think is effectively going to do this soon. Um, it's Quentin Tarantino. So he's, um, well, I saw him doing a big talk uh, in um, last year during the whole kind of, you know, awards season round for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. And he himself said, because you know he's got this thing he's only going to do, is it 10 films? Is, is that right? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever it says. Anyway. Oh, God, time. yes. <laughs> so he absolutely does not, he made it absolutely explicitly, does not count TV in this. And he said he would happily um, and wants to at some point do a big deep dive TV drama for Netflix or whoever. So I think that will happen and I can't wait for it to happen because I think that that will... I think, you know, him... People slag him off for having, you know, overlong films with too much kind of um, kind of self-indulgent dialogue. Mm. I happen to love his films generally, even the ones that are too long. So giving him the chance to do a long-form series where he doesn't have to worry about that, where that's part of the whole thing, as you you kind of bathe in the gl- in the glory of the tone and the mood of the thing, I think will fit in perfectly. So yeah, Quentin Tarantino. There is already, isn't there, on the American Netflix but not British Netflix, annoyingly, Hateful Eight. the TV recut, mm. the Hateful Eight. Yes, which he's also very proud of. Um, but I don't consider that to be an actual official no. made-for-TV thing. No. So him doing a, a thing made for television, which will happen soon, I'm sure, is very exciting. Yeah, really? I would agree. Uh, oh, God, who who would I pick? Weirdly, and this this isn't this will never happen, I would pick James Cameron. Now, if you're the, the pedants mm. among you might be saying, well, James, James Cameron's Dark Angel was, in fact, a TV series by James Cameron, and you would be correct. <laughs> and I'm sure I will banshee that at some point in the future. <laughs> However, specifically, I'm thinking Avatar. So he is currently working on Avatars 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, or something like that. And I feel a lot like, you know, I would like to see a really beautiful long form, you know, Navi series sort of set on that world. Now, the reason that will not happen is because you cannot have a TV series with an episode budget of half a billion dollars. That's unreasonable. I mean, we're going there. But also, I think his whole thing is he wants big, he wants immersive, he wants 3D, he wants IMAX screens, he wants THX mm. sound, you know. He, that's what he's going for. And I don't think the average living room, yours excluded, Boyd, <laughs> can really <laughs> provide that to the audience. So yeah. when I was at Disney recently, I did the Avatar uh, Flight yeah. of ride which is the avatar ride oh, yeah. and that is again it's like a simulator where you're 3d glasses on and you go up against this massive screen and you're riding a banshee round pandora and it's it's incredible and it's i think that's what he goes for he he wants big he wants impact so i, I feel like maybe the small screen has limited appeal for him at this point but uh but i'd like to see that i'd like a, the, the thing a you Marvel mentioned series. the series that he did dark on. angel did he yeah. actually direct episodes of that uh, you ask a good question. I, mean, I, I don't think he did. I don't I know that he did. He was a producer. Yeah, I think he. I think, I think that's it was different. his story. Yeah, there's loads of shows that have been produced by. But but maybe he directed the pilot. I don't know. I that he did. He, we can find out, yeah. can't we? It's, if only there was an internet yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. uh, James Cameron's Dark Angel. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I enjoyed that. So that's where Jessica Alba found fame. Oh, from yeah. Dark Angel. Yes. Yeah. 
Good point. That's good stuff. Uh, oh, she was a, a genetically engineered... This can be my banshee. I should do it now. I'll just make it up without <laughs> having looked up anything. She was an X5, a sort of genetically engineered super soldier. And uh, she had escaped from Manticore, which I believe was the name of the corporation that had made her. And she was working as a bicycle courier. And her boss was called Normal. I, I remember that. <laughs> and uh, and But she was also a super soldier. And I remember she, that she ran up against another group of quote-unquote super soldiers. But they were not genetically engineered there was I can't remember what they were called but they were like a different type of thing that hadn't been created like she had a barcode on the back of her neck which identified her as an X5 um, and she ran up they were called like Kindred or something I don't remember anyway there was, you remember everything else I remember that and so she had a fight with them and he didn't direct any episodes like, he didn't direct any right. episodes oh wait a minute oh the last one ha ha the la- Jacques <laughs> wow. Vindication <laughs> yes okay, that's go. good there you go James Cameron returning to TV then with the Avatar TV series there were yes. 43 episodes wow. he directed 43 episodes no, <laughs> I was going to say he directed the 43rd episode yeah. so, so James Cameron's Dark Angel there yeah. you go that's my preemptive banshee to make up for the fact that I don't have one for later um, <laughs> it's all over the place it really is it we've really is right. I think we've answered that if you would like your question kind of talked around in that fashion <laughs> then by all means do submit one to uh, us on Twitter at Pilot TV Mag via the wonder that is direct messages for ours are open uh, shall we move on to the wonderful world of news who would like to go first well, in honour of Terry, Terry White, our leader and um, uh, colleague, who is currently on maternity leave um, with Emlyn, with little baby Emlyn, we should say the, the news that was surely that Dick Wolf of Law and Order SVU fame, as someone I think alerted her to as well on Twitter, one of our one of our listeners, it's, he is, he's got this huge, humongous deal with NBC Universal, and there will be three more seasons of Law and Order SVU for a start. Um, it's already the longest running uh, drama on American television. That'll make it even more the longy, longy, longest running drama ever on American <laughs> television. All his other shows, all of his Chicago shows, are also getting three season extensions. His whole back catalogue will be, you know, he's done a deal for for that to the rights for that as well. So basically, it's a big week for Dick Wolf and his fans. And he is, a, he is an incredible um, figure in the history of television. I think, you know, he, he, there'll be, you know, he's going to go down as one of the great kind of innovators and one of the great producers of hugely popular but quality TV. So, yeah, it's, it's very impressive. And he looks like, as I pointed out, if you see him, he looks like a French uh, 80s film director. <laughs> Yeah. There was a lot of love for this. So people were obviously they were atting Terry on Twitter mm. while while mentioning this, and she was over the moon by this. <laughs> I I was quite surprised by how I, I mean, am I? I'm not surprised they're popular. I'm quite surprised how many people, certainly in the UK, are like, yes, this is amazing. I was like, <laughs> is it though? Of course like, you were. No, but not like in a bad way. I just feel like not in a bad. I mean, okay, in a bit of a bad way, but I just feel like you know now in 2020 where we have all the TV, like all of the best TV and then Liar, which we're reviewing later. But we have <laughs> all of the best TV. Spoiler and to alert. then go back and say, you know what we really want to watch? We want to watch this procedural shit that's been banging around for two decades. I feel oh, a bit like such a snob. TV yeah. has snob moved on. TV's moved on. Like we've got to a whole new plateau of quality and yet we're still, you know, dipping our toes in this. Trough. Oh <laughs> my God! Wow. Picard. Trough. Picard. Don't you? Don't you? Yes. Don't you? <laughs> do it. Do not. Yes. Go on. Go on. I'm let's hear it. Let's hear it. Come on. No, I've said my piece now. Whoa. That's it. Just Picard. Oh, That's God. what you're going to say. Have you been watching Picard, Beth? <laughs> I've watched one. 
Did you enjoy I the, the dog. one? I like the dog. Right, number one. People <laughs> are complaining that it's becoming a bit drawn out already. See, funnily enough, I was I was going to mention this in what we've been watching. So there, we're now on episode. I think they've had we've had six episodes of yeah. Picard so far. Yeah. I will say the first three have say. been the strongest. Yes. The second three have been less good. Yes. I don't think they're bad, but I think they're. It's sort of. It seems to be rambling a little bit. Mm. As soon uh, as episode four, as soon as they went off in the yes, into space, yes, it, it lost momentum. Yes, they already mm. like, and oh, we've got. Oh, stuff in to draw it out and it is the thing that is a syndrome of this age of too much yeah. drama I mean you know part of the reason this podcast exists is for us to you know to recommend stuff both, yes, quite. and to yeah, horror word curate but I think it is indicative and I'm not having a big go at, 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 at that this series particularly but there are so many shows mm. that four episodes in you suddenly get the obvious moment where they're adding more yeah. stuff adding more plot adding you know more situations and diverting you more importantly from the key mm. central storyline which is exactly what happens in episode four of Picard. I think it feels more sort of salient here because there's so much velocity in those first three episodes. Yeah. It's essentially it's an extended pilot, isn't it? Like those three episodes. Yeah. So much happens and then it slows right down, mm. ironically, once they've yeah. gone to warp. And... Uh, yeah. And uh, as a sort of Star Trek fan, I'm really enjoying because there's so much sort of fan service, so many nods, there's so many little references, little things going on. Uh, and in particular, the fifth one starts with the most graphic violence I think the series has had. Certainly, I think that any Trek has had. It's quite full on. Mm. Um, but then also goes on a really weird tangent and you've got Patrick Stewart doing a crazy French accent and wearing an eye patch. You're like, what? <laughs> What's happening? Like, it goes a bit Mardi Gras. And, uh, but, but the reason I brought it up is because, well, in fact, Beth brought it up quite rightly, is because you those the Dick Wolf stuff that you're having a go at yeah. is actually much more, um, you know, skillfully oh, honed down. Oh, what are yes. you talking about? Skill. No, 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 no. 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 There's an, all right, not more, but there's an equal <laughs> skill to doing a very tightly written you know in in one in, in 46 minutes or yes, whatever it is yes. coming up with economical story. storytelling he yeah. does extremely well right mm. and that's a huge skill yeah. don't do it don't do it to service no. especially when you know 18,000 episodes of those television. however good TV <laughs> is also available that's all I'm saying oh, goodness such a sake such a twat <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was off last week. I've got stuff to make time to make up for. Yeah. Um, so I've got some news which might uh, might see Terry enough. and my stars align oh. that Ava DuVernay is oh, making yeah. a science fiction show. Oh. Thus, Terry and I will come together in mm. celebration of this. So this is uh, an Amazon sci-fi series, uh, and it will be directed by Victoria Mahoney, who did second unit work on uh, Rise of Skywalker. And Ava DuVernay, I believe, is uh, in a producing role. But this is based on uh, an adaptation of a 1987 science fiction novel by Octavia Butler. And it's based on an African-American woman who works with aliens to resurrect the human race 250 years after a new war and it's called Dawn it's the first in a three part series I'm very excited about that yeah, yeah. and I think Terry will be too and yeah. so you know the, 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 we'll be aligned look how excited I know. you are You're I'm very, very excited, excited. any time I get to make Terry watch sci-fi is a good thing <laughs> well we we uh, recorded at an inconvenient time last week because later on on recording day some of the biggest telly news I think in a few years dropped which was that we're getting the Friends reunion Yeah. I mean it point. was just a matter of time and money wasn't it I mm. think it was always going to happen we talked about this a while ago when it was still we didn't know when it was going to happen didn't mm. we and I think as Terry was very excited because she thought it was literally a an episode Friends yeah and it's just, I mean that's it everyone as people did still everyone. do some yeah. people still do and it's like it's unscripted <laughs> let's be honest it's them being interviewed on the stage so it's yeah. not it's, less, it's not yeah. as exciting yeah. as you know perhaps it's still pretty it exciting and they're still getting paid two and a half million reportedly each I was going to ask how much it was yeah, and that's, that's, that's exactly it it was the time and as soon as I saw 
Jennifer Aniston, when she launched her Instagram with that, like, now record-breaking post of her with them yeah. all, I was like, well, that's going to be the reunion, isn't it? And yeah. then, so I just thought, time and money, and here we are yeah. with both. Um, it, yeah, even more incredible for me is that it's being directed, this special, by Ben Winston, and it's being co-produced by his company, 473, who make James Corden's chat show, among other things, and I do actually know Ben. He's a good friend. Oh. Of course you do. So, of course you do. You know. And what I'm saying is, if there's a spare seat at the recording of the Friends Reunion, Ben, I am available. Shameless. Yeah. Absolutely shameless. Um, no, it's incredibly exciting, yeah. So even though it's not an actual scripted show, yeah, obviously, um, it's not no, an episode. I mean, not obviously. Like, see, that would have been, that would be, yeah, that would be pretty seismic, wouldn't it? It would have been incredible, but this is like still fantastically exciting to have the, them in the room together talking about the creation of Friends. 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 Yes. Um... <laughs> Can I say that... I bet you missed this news, um, James, because it does involve mainstream television. Sorry, what? Mainstream television. And what's that? <laughs> it's This is sport relief news. You see, you, you yeah, I, I can see in your face. I'm, 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 I'm lost. Thing? I'm like, what are you saying? Well, what are these words? There's going to be a line of duty special sketch on sport relief. Um, what sport relief? For, sport relief. You know, comment relief. I mean, you yes. might, right. So every, they now alternate for, for years, actually. They've been alternating between comment relief is on every two years. Um, roughly at this time in the spring on BBC One there's like a tele- charity telethon all night and then every other year Sport Relief which is basically Comedy Relief with a sporting theme and even so then and it's, it, you know what and even then barely a sporting theme it's a combination of comedy and sport yeah. my two least favourite things <laughs> that is true my god I should have thought of that but Line of Duty as well in this one okay, so that's that, one of your yeah. more favourite things that's exciting so um, Jed Mercury has co-created a special sketch with Richard Curtis Ooh. himself and the Dawson Brothers who are two very good comedy writers three very good comedy writers and it's going to be a line of duty um special with the core cast of line of duty that we know and let know know and love joined by two guest stars jason isaacs amazing yes hello to jason isaacs love jason isaacs. and lee mack of yes would i lie to you fame beth what don't tell me you don't think would i lie to you is the greatest show on tv because it is okay yeah <laughs> so presumably lee mack will be providing mainly the comedic element of it but yeah there you go line of duty special with all those people and it'll be I'm something there. about who is eight. anything line of duty i'm there that's huge there you go so you're gonna have to sit through all the sport release i'll, I'll do it um, for line of duty i'll do it <laughs> yep yeah Good. For, uh, for Ted um, Hastings, for I'm there. Ted's going to be there. <laughs> I didn't float up the lagging on a bubble. Huh? Is Steve? Steve, Steve they're all going to be all the court, all yeah, Vicky McClure. How exciting! Compton. Um, well, uh, oh, Top Boy season two. We're getting yes. that for Netflix. I'm very excited about that. Um, I don't know who's down to direct because there's some great directors for the Netflix. Mm. Um, for, so it was Channel Four, wasn't it? And then it jumped yeah. over to Netflix where there are new episodes. But you have people like Nia DaCosta direct, who has obviously done Candyman, the new Candyman, and Jan Demange, who I love. So if we're getting more of that back, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for well-written racial tension and like yeah. one of the shows we're going to review in a minute. Um, <laughs> oh, oh my God. People are, I can feel dissing happening yeah. all over the place. I'm looking forward to the review section. Spoilery dissing happening yeah, already. About that. Um, but that, that I'm very excited yeah, about. Yeah, no, I'm excited about um, And I wonder if, because it was, Drake was, um, was he, he wasn't a producer, he was exact producer. He was exact producer, yeah. yeah. He was involved, genuinely involved, because we told the story of this in one of the uh, issues of Pilot TV. Um, we, we interviewed the producers of it. Mm. And he definitely was an important element in getting it revived, Drake, yeah, Great. genuinely. On, yeah, because Channel 4 didn't want to do another series, I think, and Netflix stepped in with his backing, you know, as an important element of it. Yeah, and yeah. I think they're sticking around like Hackney East London mm. area, so they're trying to keep it very authentic, yeah. which is which is very cool. Um, 
Macaulay Culkin. Yes, American, indeed, Horror, American Horror, Story. Horror Story. This is Greatest great casting, casting news in the history of television. <laughs> I mean, it is brilliant. So, you know, Ryan Murphy, you know, he this his his casting generally is always brilliant. Oh, and Nick is Black Book. He yeah. must have so many good contacts exactly. in there. Um, in fact, there's double Ryan Murphy news this week. So he announced that Macaulay Culkin is going to be in the next 10th season of American Horror Story. We don't know anything else about the season, like the theme of it or anything, but we do know that regulars, even Evan Peters, even, even Peters. Even Peters is in it. Sarah Paul said Kathy Bates are going to be in it, but it's as yet untitled. And also, um, Ryan Murphy's Hollywood, which is his second mm. Netflix show, is going to be out, I think, in March or April. I can't remember because I've lost the date, but soon. Mm. And that, that's all been confirmed, and that's very exciting as well. That's a great cast as well. Yeah. It's Darren Chris again, Darren isn't Chris, it? Darren yeah, and it, that mixes like real people. It's like about a, a, a kind of group of kind of gigolos, effectively, rent boys in, in Hollywood in the, in the kind of glory days of you know Rock Hudson all those mm. people yeah it's going to be a very good looking show right? oh god yeah <laughs> other news you hear that Disney Plus does not love Simon oh yeah yeah so yeah. Love Simon the TV series you've seen Love Simon the film oh yeah. yeah which is lovely film such a lovely film uh, it's uh, the TV series of that which wasn't Disney Plus has been moved now to Hulu um, which caused a bit you of a just like saying I Hulu. do love saying Hulu um, <laughs> it caused a bit of a stir when it happened because they they I, I, I think there was some clumsy wording it was like this is being moved from Disney Plus to Hulu Hulu being the slightly more adult mm. end Hi. of Disney streaming thing because it was unsuitable for Disney Plus which caused caused a lot of people on Twitter to be like, ah, pitchforks, pitchforks, pitchforks. <laughs> but I think they talked about actually it's more it's explicit in the way it deals with sexuality. I can't remember there was might have been drug usage and whatnot in it. Right. So it wasn't like a wild sort of sweeping homophobic decision. Yeah. It was more about that. It's also got a new title. It is now Love Victor. Uh, because <laughs> the character in it, the main character is Victor. So I guess that makes a certain amount of sense. That makes um, sense. So this will be on Hulu. Though where where it will turn up here, I do not know because obviously if it was on Disney Plus, we would assume it would be on that service here as well. It is not so who the hell knows oh, Hulu knows yeah. Hulu knows uh, just to say the Ryan Murphy Hollywood show is going to be May the 1st on the Netflix on the Netflix great yeah. looking forward to that exciting did you like the politician I liked I really liked the politician to start with yeah me too then I think it went off a bit in the yeah, middle definitely. but then I think it brought it back that last episode I loved and set us up for the second season brilliantly I can't wait for the second season me yeah. too yeah um, is there any other news he asks there's one more bit one okay. more thing we reviewed, we reviewed this country didn't we a couple we of weeks did. ago have we you don't. heard Do you have you heard this, what's this story no the, the casting detail for the American version they're making the American version of this country oh, which is going to be set yeah in the small Midwest town of Flatch Ohio right and they haven't announced who's going to play the equivalent of um, of the two main characters, the two youngsters. But they have announced who is going to play the equivalent of the vicar character, who is one of the best characters in the whole show. You've got my full attention. There. I mean, it's so extraordinary that you would never guess in a gazillion. It's a famous person. It's a famous actor. Boyd, what are you going to say? I know. It's so weird. I'm going to tell you, Sean William Scott. What's that? The doofus out of American Pie is going to play the vicar in the American version of fucking this country. Maybe he's got enormous range. I mean, it is incredible, isn't it? I mean, Bethany, yeah, it's I've the best. Heard. It is absolutely incredible. So yeah, there you go. I love that they've taken it. They've yeah. they've taken us from the Cotswolds to Ohio as well. I'd love to see the comparisons because yeah. you know that um, Swindon was twinned with Disney World for a while. I'm sorry, of what? Of course. Yeah. True story. A little girl from Swindon wrote a poem about, <laughs> oh God, about how the magic roundabout in Swindon, which is the 
god awful landmark of our town. She said how the magic roundabout reminded her of the spinning teacups at Disney World and melted the hearts of these bloody like <laughs> judges who've obviously never been to Swindon. And it was it was twinned with uh, Disney World. What is the magic roundabout <laughs> in, in, in a Swindon I'll context? Tell you, James, is I'll it tell a roundabout? You. It's far from magic. It's uh, it's sort of a cluster of roundabouts. I think it's something like five or six in one. It sounds like a car crash waiting to happen. Or literally, all you can do is close your eyes and pray as you like, sc- like mean, screech across it. <laughs> Just take your life in your hands. Wow. My, my dad works for the paper, and he he told me once that um, Kasabian were trying to get across it on their tour bus once <laughs> and couldn't work it there to pull over. And um, wow, your dad works for the local paper. The, the, the what's it called? Swindon Advertiser. That's a very famous local paper, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is, in the annals of local papers, yeah. Yeah, but I guess... Is he like the editor or is it... He was. He's he's, he's, He stepped off now, but he was uh, associate editor. But I got all the Swindon know-how. But yeah, Magic Roundabout. And then, yeah, someone someone read that on their evaluation board and was like, Mm. oh, yeah, so... I'm not saying the Swindon Advertiser is the basis for the local paper in Afterlife, Ricky Gervais' Afterlife, but I think it may well be. Are you serious? Just, well, you know, it's kind of a similar kind of area, isn't it? It's like in that, you know, kind of villagey, small towny type <laughs> setting. Yeah. It's a local paper with stories about. Anyway, it may, it may be. I don't know for a fact, but I'm. I'd be in there. delighted if it was. But yeah, no. So, um, well, that's blown my mind. Yeah, good. <laughs> James wants to move on because he's got the I'm moving on face. I have not. This <laughs> is not really I'm has. moving on face. <laughs> really have. Oh, that's harsh. Bored, visibly yeah. bored. I was very excited to hear about the magic roundabout in Swindon. I'm <laughs> yeah, going to I book a trip to visit it soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> the perfect chaser for Disney World. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> shall, we, shall we delve into this week's reviews? God, yes. Yeah, okay. Right. So. First up this week, we have Noughts and Crosses. This is the BBC's new alternate history series based on the novel series by Mallory Blackman. Uh, In this universe, the African Empire invaded Europe some centuries ago, and now in modern Britain, the African-descended crosses rule over an underclass of white Europeans or noughts in a society segregated by kind of Jim Crow style laws. Uh, Against this backdrop, a young nought named Callum McGregor, played by Jack Rowan, falls in love with a cross called Sefi, played by Masali Badouza. And needless to say, this is heavily frowned upon and made ever so slightly more complicated by the fact that her father's the Home Secretary. Uh, Beth, what did you make of this one? And also, did you read the books? Because this is a YA thing. And Ben, little Ben, little Ben up in the Empire office, apparently this was a really formative kind of like series of books for him. He absolutely loves these books. So I'm just curious, did they mean anything to you? Had you read them? I hadn't read them, but I did ask around a little bit and some friends had um, and completely agree with Normal size Ben. Normal size. <laughs> we Ben. <laughs> we Ben Travis. Um, so I hadn't, I hadn't seen, I hadn't read the books. Um, I knew a little bit about this coming in. Um, am I talking about opinions yet? Can I go in? Sure, go nuts. Uh, I hated it. Oh. Absolutely hated it. Um, I thought this was just quota filling reductive television. Um, I really like Kobe Adam, who directed some of the episodes. He has got some great short films, I will say. A great short film called Haircut, which I implore you to go and watch over the show. I thought it was quite tepid, um, I think, for a show that so vastly pivots on confrontation and controversy and riots. It was very tame. Um, I just felt like you had all this fire and brimstone and, and all these racial tensions just kind of channeled through this nasty BBC filter. And I maintain, I don't think the BBC can write young people. I just I just don't. You look at things like Top Boy, you look at anything on Netflix coming out at the moment, sex education, um, end of the fucking world, and you see how well young people have written... 
I hated it. Wow. <laughs> I really did. I just thought the writing wasn't very good. I didn't think some of the casting was very good. I think Jack Rowan, he's Peaky Blinders, isn't he? I hadn't seen him in anything before, but I think he was in Peaky Blinders. I think he was miscast. Yes, he was in Peaky Blinders. He's just this sort of baby-faced heartthrob who um, is kind of thrown in as, as the innocent in all of this who's just trying to do the right thing. But they lean too much in how good lo- into how good-looking he is. I don't think that he's got enough gusto to put off the fact that he's got to be essentially like, he's like Tony in um, West Side Story, isn't he? He's got to have mm. a bit a bit of gumption to him. He's or just, Romeo in Romeo and Juliet. Or Romeo in Romeo and Juliet. Um, he's just a bit of a drip. Um, I just, and then you lost me at White Men with Dreadlocks. Just, I can't be bothered <laughs> to see just white people living out... No, I just, no. Josh Dillon was quite good. He was in End of the Fucking Worlds and he's kind of cast as this kind of off-kilter older brother who's kind of like the voice of the rebellion. But I just found it really tame and self-satisfying and not very good for the people that it's supposed to be aimed at at all. And I didn't, I I just thought it was a waste of talent and a waste of source material. Ian Hart was fun. He was very good in it. Patterson Um, Joseph was fun as well. Yes. Some of the casting, absolutely fine. Mm. Central casting, nah. Well, I'm quite taken aback because I liked it, obviously. I mean, um, obviously. Well, first of all, I have read the books, so it doesn't mean that my, my, my opinion is more valid. But so I read the first book because I reviewed it with the author Mallory, Mallory Blackman in the studio next to me, which is what I used to do in a, in a different time period. Uh, must have been to early 2000s on a Simon Mayo show on Radio 5 Live. And uh, we used to re- review two books a week, unbelievably. Think about this. We used to do TV as well. <laughs> <laughs> and the authors of the books were there in front of us. We'd have to review it to them, to their faces. That, that sounds really like a weird. terrible yeah. idea. Oh my anyway, God. But, I shall, but the first novel, the first Nautical Crosses novel, um, was one of my favourite books that we did for a yeah. long, long time. It was yeah. absolutely fantastic, incredibly powerful. Um, and... It's a and and I think they've. I I do feel I watched this episode and I was slightly dreading it because I thought it's a hard, it's a hard one to crack. It's hard to you know you're creating a whole alternate version of British society run on racial grounds. It's you know that's the whole the whole kind of concept of it. Um, divide you know in which the black people are more power, have a power and oppress the white people. That's the that's the key uh, concept. And in the middle of that Romeo and Juliet style romance, I would agree that I think the adult characters so far, I've only watched the first episode, and I think this landed fairly surprisingly late in the day on the BBC schedule. And it's on a Thursday night, which is slightly weird scheduling, nine o'clock. That's slightly peculiar. I'm not sure if they knew necessarily how to deal with the fact that it is quite, that the the book itself is raw and um, daring and bold, and all her books are. She's a brilliant writer. Um, And in the in the young adult sphere, they're really powerful and no holds barred. And I, and, and I think it probably, to your, to your review, <laughs> would have been easier for a Netflix or an Amazon Prime to do a kind of no holds barred version of TV version of it. it so it is constrained, but I can see that by it being a primetime BBC One. But on the plus side, it's going to get, you know, I think four, five, six million people watching it on a Thursday night on BBC One, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and I feel, and I think it is saying something really important and, and interesting about racism being a power relation. That's the thing, because still people are stupid enough to think. You still get people going, oh, you know, where, it, where you know, he's being racist about white people. You know, this comes up a lot. <laughs> and this is constantly reminding you it's about power and it's about the power exerted by one race over another. And I thought it, 
it and I thought it did that very well. And I felt like the if you like the atmosphere of it running along the background and the kind of the visual look of it and the just the whole kind of um, the way it builds the, this idea of this society. I thought was was clever and I thought it worked. And it's hard. I thought it was a hard thing to pull off. I I, I can see there are issues with with maybe with the, with Jack Rowan's character being a bit. Um, as you say, a bit wet. Hopefully that will develop. <laughs> but I, I, I enjoyed this first episode. I didn't think it was amazing. I thought it's doing something really hard, which is adapting this, this, these, this brilliant books. And they did a pretty good job. I'm certainly going to carry on watching it. And by the way, Stormzy's going to pop up in three episodes time. Who? Oh, really? Stormzy. Oh, Stormzy's yes, in it. Yes, you may oh have heard God, of him. I, I have heard of him, yeah. yeah. Stormzy plays the editor of the paper, paper, and I think he arrives in episode four. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's something for everyone to look forward to. So I, I, I yeah, I, I, I'm amazed that you hated it that much. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I'm pleased I'm pleased that more people will get to see the source material in that, in that way. I will say that. But, like, my friend had to stop reading the books. She was so shocked and, and wow. moved by what she was reading, yeah. and I just think it, it does it just Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I fall somewhere in the hinterland between the two of you, oh, uh, possibly closer to, you know, Bethland than Boydtopia okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> in my geography on this. Um, I, I really liked the idea of it, and I like the idea of a number. Of, I mean, this is not a new concept by any stretch. Have you ever seen White Man's Burden from yeah. the 90s? Yeah, yeah, which John Travolta tackles a very yeah. similar sort of idea, um, but without the love aspect to it. But... Um, so I like it, and I, and I think it does important things. I think you're absolutely right, Boyd. What it does is it underscores that racism is about power differentials, and it's not you know necessarily about colour specifically. It is about different groups, you know, and exerting power over other groups. And I think also, and it's, it sounds really crass to say, but I think there's something about how you know you only have, without naming names, there was obviously a thing recently where people you know saying, oh, you know, it does, is racism a thing? Things I don't see racism, you know, and and when you're in a very privileged position such as we white media elites are you know it's easy to 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 almost distance yourself from these things and not see them for as serious as they are and I think something like this really puts it into perspective Uh, there's a line in A Time to Kill remember a line in A Time to Kill when he's giving the closing statement and he explains what's happened to the girl in it and then he says to the jury now close your eyes and imagine the girl was white Mm. and it's only then that the jury kind of understands the horror I mean, it's ridiculous yeah. but it seems to be only then that they're able to engage and extend empathy towards this victim and here I think the reversal here maybe makes people who dismiss racism to a certain extent you know actually look at it through the prism of what if it was them yeah. and I think that relatability maybe is an important message but all of that aside, this did feel a bit like an Amdram production. Like, it's really properly hammy. Yeah. It's very YA melodrama, and it's pretty fucking uneven as well. Yeah. And I do think the BBC is hamstrung by BBC budget. Like, if you chucked a few hundred grand at this, you know, to make the riots into riots rather than six people pushing and shoving each other <laughs> in a corridor, it maybe would have had slightly more effect. But it did feel properly low rent. Yeah. And that did not help it in the slightest. So no, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I was really sold on the concept, very excited by it, and very, very disappointed. Yeah. So, you know, while I did not hate it, uh, I won't be watching any more of it either. So, sorry about that, Boyd. Well, I will. <laughs> For Boyd, it's three in a row. It's a Norton Crosses gag. Oh, that's good. <laughs> anyway, that is Norton and Crosses, and that airs on BBC One on Thursday, March the 5th at 9pm. Now... Next this week, we have, well, it may feel like we've been here before quite recently, uh, but next up this week is War of the Worlds. 
again. Uh, this is the second adaptation of the H.G. Wells story in recent months, uh, following on from the BBC's Victorian iteration. This Fox reimagining is an eight-episode miniseries and a co-production with Canal+, Plus, which is A, why it's set in Europe, and B, why it aired in France last year as La Guerre des Mondes. <laughs> anyone's curious. Uh, as ever, this season alien incursion against the people of Earth where they descend from the stars to conquer humanity, presumably only for them all to be wiped out by the coronavirus. Uh, Boyd, was this another yay or was it a nay? Um, a little bit in between yay and nay. I mean, yeah, with, I mean, having two War of the Worlds is hot footing one after the other is pretty extraordinary. Now, to be fair, the BBC one was a period piece set in the time it was also overwhelmingly meh (laughs) it was quite meh it was quite meh yeah um the best bit of that one it was a three-part and the end of the first episode was really good and then it kind of petered out after that in my opinion um this is contemporary so this is what would happen this is effectively like the steven spielberg one but longer and in london and and in london and france and all around the world (laughs) fair enough Feeling a lot like Independence Day to me. It felt a lot like a kind of, you know, Roland Emmerich, yeah. whatever is that other guy who's producer mate, Dean Devlin, that's yes. the one. Their film. So it's kind of like a lot of disaster movie tropes were in there. And I enjoyed it. And it, and it looked handsome. You know, I felt like I can't work out whether I started watching episode two. So, and, and I'm still, this is still the case. That a lot of stuff happens off screen <laughs> that you feel, oh, they're saving the budget a little <laughs> bit here because huge things happen off screen and they yeah. were talking about it and they'll show you a little video thing screen and people going, oh, well, we think that's happening. Um, so I'm not sure, but that, I don't have a big issue with that. That's fine. Um, and I'm sure in the end it will be a spectacular you know, CGI fest. Um, I, I quite in- interestingly cast Gabriel Byrne can do, my wrong, can do no, no wrong for me. He is brilliant. But I wouldn't say, I'm like, touch and go at the end whether I'm going to carry on watching it. I, I, it's not like, I'm not, because you feel, I feel I know where this is going for the next I'm, seven hours. I'll be a caution. <laughs> yeah. But you know they're doing season two as what? well. I yes. think it's a miniseries. No, they're doing season two. Well, because it's done well in France. But presumably. I mean, which is extraordinary. So now not only do we know roughly where it's going, but also that actually doesn't even going to conclude it's just going to carry on ah. with more, you know, alien, uh, alien invasion too. Who, who knows? Um, so from that point of view, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I really want to invest no. that amount of time in a story. I feel I know pretty much the basics of, but it was perfectly well made, kind of skillfully directed and acted and all of that, but slightly pointless in my opinion. I See, that's, what, yeah. that's, that's, that's funny. That's okay. funny. I, I liked it. Okay. I did like it. I thought it was really good. And I, I, I didn't expect to like it on any level because mm. I thought, oh God, been here, done that. Really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Had a, it had a real sort of tense relatability to it, partly because it's set in London, but also the idea of it. So this first episode is kind of almost like the, the first wave precursor to the alien attack where they drop almost like, uh, almost like neural time bombs. Mm. Uh, and there's this countdown to when they're going to go off and the sense of desperation and people fleeing and obviously this is not all that dissimilar to what's happening in the news at the moment but you know people running and, and the idea that they people have to running. H- people running people running there's lots of running in it yeah. it was great but people wanting to hide from this event and then the aftermath of that event and the panic that sets in and I found it really quite gripping and yes a lot of the plot points do happen in French so you know that you have to pay attention yeah. but you know it. I, I really liked it that Gabriel Byrne was fun though I found the subplot with him and Lady Grantham Elizabeth McGovern a little bit I don't know. There was something a bit problematic yeah. there. Yeah, but I agree. 
There's and a funny the, bit where he pushes someone down the stairs. Yeah, I thought that was quite... Some, that was awful. Funny. Well, yeah. I mean, quite badly done. It was badly done, yeah. He physically died. Yeah. 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 And, and then, and then a bit in a lift, and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, yeah, they, don't get me wrong. It was it was far from perfect. And, you know, all, but but I like the London setting. I did find it really gripping, and I'm definitely going to watch the rest of this. I was mm. like, yeah, you yeah. know, give me more War of the Worlds. Mine was like, yeah, because I started off like, again, why have we got this? And, you know... Why are they forcing us to forcing me to watch this fucking thing this again? Fucking thing again. Um, <laughs> this is War of the Fucking World. <laughs> <laughs> End of the fucking world. Um, and I just think it just any adaptation of War of the World because obviously the, the appeal of the radio show is you filled in the blanks yourself and your mind automatically goes to the worst possible place. I mean, it caused like hysteria. <laughs> People yeah, thought this yeah. happened. So I just think any TV adaptation that fills in those blanks for you so often as well at this stage just takes all the fun out of it. And then the beginning <coughs> of this was very slow. The character establishing was was t- took like a long time. Um, I really like da- Daisy Edgar-Jones who's going to be in Normal People she which is, I'm yeah. really excited about. She's in a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah. Yeah, she's big, big rising star. On the right. yeah. So I was, I was pleased about that and I liked her in it very much and Gabriel Byrne was just a bit of a shit which I really enjoyed. Mm. Um, but Good lord! When those uh, when the attack started, I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. I really was. Like you know, when it was just drawing out all the details, and it was a lot of people in dark rooms looking at computers and saying things I didn't understand. And I was just in like, French. Here we fucking go. And then yeah, and then and then you know, chaos ensues. Mm. And I really, really, it was so wonderfully directed. You were cheering the mum, weren't you? You were cheering the mum. The mum was in the oh, car yeah, with the her car, son yeah. and her daughter. Do and they're like, mum, like, do something. She's like, fuck it. And she puts yeah. a little Fiat Panda or whatever it is in the drive and just burns off. And you're like, gone. Um, which is wicked. Daisy Edgar Jones, her character's blind as well, which like yeah. brings something new yeah, into it as well. Um, but yeah, wonderfully directed. I'm going to watch the rest of it as well. Mm. I might okay. I might not watch the second season for God's sake. Yeah, that, that <laughs> might be a bit much. No, um, did yeah. you think the um, the noise right yeah. at the beginning of the alien like, the, the alien noise? Yeah. Mm. Uh, now I haven't double checked. I meant to double check this, but I'm sure that's taken completely from Contact. The Jodie Foster, the brilliant, one of my favourite it, films. It's very similar. Very yes. similar. It's, it's sort of like an alien yeah, static. Exactly. Yeah. The whole first act of Contact is about how they identify the sound yeah. and the pattern of the sound. And I thought it was so similar. And a lot of the tone of it. Felt I love similar. Contact. Oh, I, it's fucking mm. brilliant. It's one of the Such great underrated film. films mm. ever. Yeah. Anyway, just wanted to mention that. That is another War of the Worlds. And uh, this one drops on Fox UK on Thursday, March the 5th at 9pm. Next, we have the second series of ITV's Liar. So this... You're really introducing this in a fair and balanced way. (laughs) This in no way hammy nonsense picks up the story of Joad Froggart's Laura Nelson, a teacher who is sexually assaulted by Dr. Andrew Earlham, Johan Griffith, in series one. And this, when this show sort of dropped, when it was, when it first season came out, as as I recall, uh, this one promised to be uh, like a nuanced, ambiguous drama dealing with a very difficult topic. And then we saw it, and it was the most ITV melodrama of all time. And if you thought series one was stupid, then just wait until you get a look at this one. Did we did we review Liar season one on this podcast? No, no, we didn't. No, we it was didn't. Ages ago. It was two yeah, and a half years ago. Fine, I didn't think so. But I do recall when this like people were saying, "Oh, this is going to be." You I know, think, when this comes, you know. I think Terry, in my mind, Terry might have um, 
reviewed it or mentioned or it. Or banshee it or something. Watched it late, but I'm, this, I may be completely wrong, so apologies in advance. Mm. I, am, but I'm, I, I, I feel like we've talked it about it. Or something like that, I don't know. And I feel like this was one that people thought would be one thing and very much wasn't. Like it was going to be a, did this, because the whole thing, it was set up initially, as I recall, it's like it was ambiguous. Like she says that she was raped afterwards. He says that that's not what happened. And it was, it was a case it was dealing with consent and how, you know, it's portrayed in this show. And actually it was just, just insane melodrama of this sort of scheming, all but moustache twirling, Johan Griffith. This is a kind of why do I keep saying his name I mean, in a Welsh I'm accent? It, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Joan Griffith as a kind of serial rapist, like this is the most evil man alive. And then shock horror dismay at the end of series one, he's found dead. Uh, and we get a previously on at the beginning of this one, yep. and then this picks up from there. And well, boy, do you want to do you want to say mean, this one? You've cl- mm. I mean, I wonder what you thought. Of it. <laughs> I'm just I can't so quite work it works, out. James, yeah. honestly. Um, I so okay cards on the table. I don't think even I don't I don't agree that series one was set up like that. I, series one, the mystery of series one was is he or isn't he? Yeah, a wrong one. Isn't he or isn't he a rapist? You know, and 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 that played out. I think over four episodes, and I, from memory, the end of episode four reveals that he is, and she is the one. Joan Frogett's character is the one who unearths the truth about him. Yeah, uh, she boldly, and then discovers that he turned out to be a serial rapist, as you say in the in the end. And that it was not ever intended to be a subtle, you know. A, kind of issue driven or anything <laughs> drama it was it, this is a this is a a very commercial mainstream gripping riveting piece of uh, drum, storytelling on primetime ITV absolutely so I don't agree with your whole framing of it in that way it was dealing with a you know with a sensitive topic but in in, in, in this way you know it was definitely setting it up as easy or isn't he and that was the big mystery of it I think it was incredibly gripping and insane now there, again to go back to my earlier point about Law and Order SVU and all of that there is a <laughs> skill to making big bold mainstream melodrama and the and the Williams brothers who write this stuff who wrote you know The Missing and Baptiste and all these things they're brilliant at it by and large and I'm sorry but season two is equally gripping and riveting yes it's preposterous of course it's preposterous <laughs> Catherine Kelly comes in as the detective she's chewing gum oh my god and chewing the scenery oh my and god and I can't work out which is the more yes. violent chewing but she's a lot of fucking chewing gum a little on. over the top do we think massive over the top but the whole thing is over the top I know. some shows are allowed the tone of this show is heightened over the top absolutely unashamed melodrama and it's going to be really interesting and it's a whodunit so now the, the whole thing has been reframed as you know who killed the dude the uh, Erlem the, the serial rapist obviously the prime suspect is Jared Froggett's character because she did at one point if you remember kidnap him and tie him up um, <laughs> of course so she did of course she did so, I mean there's your little clue as to how realistic it is um, and so and I'm, I want to know who did it and I'm going to watch I'm going to fucking devour I've watched two already I've got four more to go they're already on the ITV thing and I'm loving it and yes it's preposterous but so what brilliant yeah. I don't want to say anything else but okay. I will um, um, I think it was interestingly timed considering that we watched just the week that Weinstein's obviously been yeah. yes, very true. Um and I'm thinking about especially because Catherine Catherine Kelly she's a new addition isn't she yeah. for this so she um, is obviously sticking by the book but that also means her having to kind of talk down these women who have like accuse this man of raping them and it's very interesting when you think about Weinstein and his lawyer and how she's you know always taken this like a man it's very gendered and I thought it was just really interesting to watch this show in that context and it does raise interesting points about sexual assault it was really interesting um, I'm not going to try to say name James but Andrew's son <laughs> has a really that that was pretty upsetting to watch when yes. he realises that his dad's mm. assaulted these women and yeah. he and they were very very close and he has a complete breakdown like there, there's some weight to that but yeah. um 
Otherwise, you're hammy nonsense. <laughs> you said whisper hammy nonsense. I mean, because it was no. I I really respect your your argument there, and I just <laughs> don't want to just it. But I just think in in the context of the the current climate as well, I think it was interesting to watch. You see the the crime scene, and what I love is because it's a helicopter shot going over the crime scene, and the police are I guess they're kind of extras, whatnot. But the helicopter is maybe lower than they thought it would be, so you see them more clearly. So what it actually uh, depicts is the most lackadaisical police search, where you've got one policeman who's just kind of peering over into a lake and another one you see me just nudging a rock with his shoe as you go past you're like you guys didn't think you were going to be in focus did you um that made me laugh i did find i thought that you know the 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 over the top like almost american level detective i was just like what show are you in like i don't understand what's happening here Like i thought that was five and again it, it did to beth's point it really made me uncomfortable how aggressively offensive she was to you know as one character points out to her the most high profile victim of a serial rapist and she was like you know I think she makes even says like alleged or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're just like oh I, this just no just no testy um, testy times so yeah I, I mean this is this is it's one of these things it's super super trashy and <laughs> no but it is let's be honest it is super trashy it's like it's massively super trashy melodramatic for someone who watches like one ITV drama a year <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay maybe not by the standards of ITV drama but that's not to say it's bad television. I don't think this is a bad show. I don't think it's for me. But but it is. It's it's compelling in that way. It's super super daft. Mm. Uh, but it does. It moves at a pace. I have no idea what's happening. Like I, they, they've completely succeeded, and I couldn't unravel this at all. No, yeah. Oh, we should say um, it does cut because you're, you're on Griffith is still in it. Yes, because it's, it's flashing, flashing back, back and forward. So it's, the mm. whole thing is going to I think have a have a dual timeline of of. The build-up of events to his murder. Yes, because it's him on the run, yeah. flashback yeah. to after his death. Uh, they do love a dual timeline, by yeah. the way, the Williams brothers, and they do it very well. But yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm can't wait to come. It's it's, it. it's well constructed, it's well executed, but it is it is a little daft. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, liar. This is uh, this drops on ITV on Monday, March the second at nine p.m. And finally, this week we have. A trip to Greece. Uh, This is Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan's latest road trip where the pair play fictionalised versions of themselves and exchange witty banter against the backdrop of nice restaurants around Europe. Uh, This time, as you might already have guessed, they go to Greece. Now, Boyd, you've banged on about this one quite a lot in the past, haven't you? Uh, You're a big fan of this. Now, I I was quite confused by this because I had always believed this to be, I don't want to say reality, but you know what I mean? I just thought it was just them on holiday. Yeah, a lot of people do. I didn't realise. But so this is actually scripted Fully so, scripted. I'm going to explain in full, because um, I'm the world's foremost expert on the trip, um, having hosted, I think, every every series I think I've hosted the, the you know, the Q&A. You shock me. But yeah. Um, so Michael Winterbottom directs, and the whole thing was Michael Winterbottom's idea. So they were in um, A Cock and Bull Story, the film, yep. years ago, and he loved their interaction, so he thought, why don't we do a series? It's a, They are playing fictionalised versions of themselves. Michael Winterbottom comes up with essentially the structure and a rough outline of the whole thing of each episode. There's an outline but a bit like Curb actually where yeah. I think Larry David does an outline and then they improvise over it everything else is improvised so it's unscripted but with an outline and he gives them he, he gives them kind of stuff to explain and there, there's a kind of back there are kind of elements are going on around the background of their their um, meals together so there's a thing going on with Steve Coogan's character's dad is ill Rob Brydon's character's thinking about his wife and kids and all of that and that's always been there so it's always been an element of their personal lives you know kind of and touching very lightly on it Um, while also there's also each series has a kind of almost a a kind of literary philosophical edge to it as well where they're looking at the kind of history of wherever they go and Michael Witterbaum sets them 
acres of homework. So they're, all, they're supposed to read the Odyssey. Yeah. This is built around the Odyssey. And the Hence, Iliad. a trip to Greece starts in Turkey. Yeah, right. Um, now, Rob Brydon never does any of the homework and doesn't bother reading the books, but Steve Coogan does. <laughs> so he drives all that. So there's that going on. And, I, I, why, and, and, you know, I love them as people and as characters, these these fictionalised versions of themselves. So they exaggerate how egotistical they are and how yeah. competitive they are. Um, but I find that very amusing and likeable and entertaining. I, just on a technical level, their fucking impressions are extraordinary. Like, they are, they're versions of Al Pacino and, you know, um, they do Melvin Bragg in this series, which I love. They do Michael Parkinson. Just a lot, you know, everyone they do is fucking incredible. And the competitive impression scenes are one of my favourites. But I also think there's a poignancy to it. I, there are moments and they're, they're, it's done with a very a great light and such but it is about this friendship between two old white dudes right two privileged ultra privileged old white dudes but as an old white dude myself I completely identify with that and I think it's a lovely portrayal of a friendship and a kind of and there are moments when there, there's a moment on the boat I think in the night in, the, in the episode one um, I mean I've watched the whole series I devoured the whole thing in one night, which is really sweet, and there's kind of there's a scene later on where they kind of hug each other, and you're kind of like it's a kind of almost like a romance, really, obviously a bromance, and that it's as I say, it's done very light. And I think Winterbottom is so good at this stuff, at kind of judging tone of stuff and having really funny scenes. There's a scene where they seeing Greece is the word in a car, and I love that. So <laughs> when they're in Greece, and so this is, on, as I banged on about before, as you alluded to, this is among one of my favourite things on TV. Full stop, f- right from the beginning. I still love it. This series is as good as. All of the others, it's the same thing, sexually, in Greece. <laughs> and it's just, like, beautifully shot, lovely. I do like food, the food, eating, everything about yeah. it I love. Anyway, there we go. Yeah. That's me. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, I think this was my favourite of the trips. Oh, good. Um, at this stage, they're just so... They've, they've softened a little bit, more mm. melancholy. I found them quite... Because they're so cantankerous, I found them quite caustic and quite uncomfortable to watch sometimes. Like, they drag each other. They don't need to. They drag each other through the bloody <laughs> ringer. Um, and always ship just... to Camden. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We should do that, Boyd. Yeah. <laughs> but because so, they jumped ship, didn't they, from BBC to Sky, so yeah. they could get more money. They're quite open about that, that the BBC didn't want to give them more money, so they were like, right, we'll go Sky then. And it means that you get something really cinematic and plush to look at. They're having a swimming race in this season and it's really beautifully shot. It's this like crystal blue sea and the two of them thrashing it out. It's not sexy to watch, but it is like beautifully shot. But they're just more melancholy. They've kind of... Steve Coogan laughs a lot more in this one. Mm. Like he cracks up at Rob Biden and he gets a, a weightier storyline as well. He's got... A, um, his dad's dying and, and he's kind of having these phone calls with his son who kind of being the man of the situation and going and visiting Steve Coogan's dad. Um, So he gets to kind of handle something a little bit more emotional this time instead of just having sex with lots of ladies, which is what he does the rest of the time. Um, But it's just, it's just, they're settled, they're more forgiving. um, And they're just, it might be the last one. They think it's the last one. Yeah, they've said it's the last one. Um, So just a really wonderful swan song. And don't watch in an empty stomach. Yeah, yeah. Those scenes where, where when when Steve Coogan laughs at something that Rob Ryan's, I, I that's one of the I love that those yeah. moments because you're like, you know, you're making comedy genius laugh at something, and there's something brilliant about that. Yeah. Anyway, and it's about getting old as well, like because I mm. I did a Q and A as well. Yes, with, you did. Sorry, <laughs> totally forgot about with that. With Rob Ryan and Steve Coogan, yeah. and I asked them because it's the last season. I was like, how how what do you want the legacy of the trip to be, and what do you want people to remember this show as? And Rob Ryan gave the most 
heartwarming answer about how he doesn't want it to be remembered for the accents or for the, you know these very good impressions, but more as, as a kind of ode to growing old as friends and mas- you know being men and the kind of insecurities that come with that. And it was just so beautiful. Steve was like, well, I can't top that, can I? And it was just, and it is exactly that. It's about growing old with your friend. It's about embracing those fears of getting old as a man. And, it, you know, the, it's funny, but it's also very poignant and mm. sweet. Loved it. James. James, what did you think? I can't read you. <laughs> no, I Sorry. can't read you either. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I, I didn't want to watch this. Um, why? Because it has the whiff of reality TV to it. Oh. Like, I, that's, no, that's why going into this, I was like, I don't need to see two TV personalities. You know, like, this, is, this is not my kind of television. However, however, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Okay. Um, and I was interested, to, that's why I asked, you know, interested in, in how scripted it is. And mm. Because... It became clear very early on that they weren't. This was, I mean, I've met both of them. Like, this was not Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan in a room. This was them yeah. playing heightened versions of themselves. But I found the interplay incredibly compelling just when Rob Bryan is mocking him for Stan and Ollie and like yeah. took him just taking the piss out of him and like no one does bone dry kind of humour like Steve Coogan mm. like the man is the straightest of straight men but he's so good at it like absolutely you know and I, I really and I just thought this is great just watching this kind of spiky witty banter between these two people who are both very quick and very funny but both familiar and comfortable enough around each other to just rip each other to pieces uh, and I, it's funny, like initially I was like, I don't understand. We're like, what is this? It's just people talking bollocks. And then I was thinking, well, that's the whole premise of our podcast, for sure. <laughs> uh, but I, I really enjoyed their interplay and I enjoyed spending time with the two of them. I must admit, when they were having dinner, I found the weird cuts to the kitchen very, very odd. Like, they'd be mid conversation and then you suddenly, for no reason, cut to some, you know, Turkish bloke, like brazing ribs in the kitchen. <laughs> and then it cuts back in. You're like, what? Did someone change the channel? <laughs> like, I'm very confused. And like, was this like an edit? Were they trying? Trying to hide a cut? What was that? <laughs> and they kept doing it. Yeah, they've been like, doing that from the start, haven't they? Yeah, every that's just the format. Of Why the, am I seeing the chef? The show because it's about the country and its relationship to the food as mm. well, which is something Michael Winterbottom brings in. But if you're coming to it fresh and you don't really understand, no, I, I, that confused me. That confused me a lot. But I, yeah, I enjoyed. I loved the the whole thing when he's talking about you know yeah I watched Stan and Ollie and Rob Bryan's like I watched it on a BAFTA screener. I only paused it three times to go to the kitchen. It's just like <laughs> Steve Coogan's face. It's just it's just really really funny. Um, yeah, so I, I thought I thought it was. Great. That said, so it's half an hour show. I had lost interest a little bit by the end because I enjoyed that. I enjoyed them sitting around dinner and then kind of they were on a road trip and there was a driver and other stuff started going on. And I, I think maybe it might have been the banter was maybe less pointed at that point. Um, so, you know, interestingly, there are two. So, um, they do in America, they are films. So, each series is mm. cut down by Michael Witterbottom to effectively a two hour film. Oh, really? So, the and I think you may prefer those. So, mm. you get less of the hardcore banter yes. scenes, you get a lot of it, but but you yes. do get the underlying storylines that they have, which are very sometimes underlying, um, <laughs> are drawn knitted together more. So it's more of a, a narrative. Oh, okay. Yeah, which yeah, I think, yeah. So Beth, the, the Q&A that Beth hosted, I think I'm right in saying, it was after the screening of the film version, wasn't it? Of yes, this? Yeah. it was. Yeah, so um, I think that's, again, unique, completely unique. I can't think of anything else that that, that has happened to. But mm. yeah, right from the start, the format it was they would cut away to the food being made because it was partly all about more more to start with probably than it is now. The first one was in and the Lake District was in was in Britain and was about you know what is the local the food like and you can get hood cuisine in this country and showing you the preparation of the food was part of that whole deal. But now I can see it might seem a bit odd. Yeah. But I think they have. Le- By the way, I so I watched a little bit of the first series. 
Um, and I think it's also, if you watch the whole thing, uh, you know, if you watch all four series, which is, you know, it's almost like you, you're seeing male attitudes develop as well yeah. a little bit, which is yeah. so interesting. Because, you know, because there was a lot of stuff about Steve Coogan's character playing on his persona of a ladies' man, yeah. that horrible phrase. And you would get him literally having, you know, falling for the maid in a hotel or whatever. Um, and I think they've, and they kind of now they talk about that more. And I think it's interesting, like Rob Bryan's character from, in, in this series talks about, oh, you know, we can't, you can't say that. And not in a kind of, annoying, you know, um, resentful man type way, like what's his name, Fox, like Lawrence Fox might do. It's mm. like they're the anti- they're people who are growing up. They are growing up. They are realising that time has changed and attitudes change and you have to change yourself. And I think that's an interesting like social history almost running along the background. Definitely. Thank you. And that is The Trip to Greece, and this drops... When does this drop, Boyd? So The Trip to Greece arrives on Tuesday. Tuesday the 3rd, Sky 1, 10 o'clock with a double bill, and it's also all on as a box set if you want it as well. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Do we have a pick of the week? The trip to Greece for me. Yeah, so no knots and crosses. <laughs> Not knots and crosses. No, it's probably more of the world for me, but I trip to Greece, I think, is a, is, is a fair shout. Good stuff. Now, as we've also established, I didn't really prepare a banshee because I ran out of time, but I've oh, kind yeah. of done one anyway in Dark Angel, so I think I've, I've kind of you? managed to just about pull that one off. <laughs> How about you two? Do you have any shows of your that you would like to champion for our listeners today? Can you go first this time, boy, because you mopped the floor with me last time. Did I? Right? Oh, well, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Was it Heartbreak High you did last week? I did Heartbreak High, yes. and then this one comes in with uh, a wonderful Banana, yeah, the Russell T. Banana and cucumber series. and Thanks. other phallic. My banshee this week is inspired by Steve Stephen Ray in Flesh and Blood because he's a brilliant, brilliant actor. He's also in the Harlan Coburn show that's on that we reviewed recently. Did we review it on Netflix? Stranger. Stranger. I don't think we did oh, review no, we it. Didn't, no, because we, we couldn't see it. It was an no. embargo issue. Mm. Anyway, that's been a massive hit. But I want to go back to one of his big, big, brilliant classic series, The Shadow Line. Which you know, I picked this. You know, the Mark the, Strong, Mark Strong, um, created and written by Hugo Blick, um, Chiwetel Ejiofor, yep. Christopher Eccleston, Rafe Spall, Leslie Sharp, Anthony Sher. What a lineup! Mm. It's fucking incredible. A shadow lineup. Uh, thank you. Um, now I just assumed I picked this. Uh, you know, at the end, uh, pompously at the end of um, last year, when people were picking their greatest TV of like the century yeah. and the millennium or whatever the fuck it was, the decade. That was it because we turned into twenty twenty. I put this in my top twenty of the decade, and I. I had a few people saying, oh, I'd never heard of The Shadow Line, blah, blah, blah. It, it was it was an extraordinarily brilliant... It was peak TV before peak TV. Mm. Um, it was on BBC Two. There were seven episodes. It was so stylish and visually stunning. Every shot was like a masterpiece, a beautifully framed thing. Um, and it was really interesting. It was kind of like a conspiracy theory, gangstery drama. Um, absolutely phenomenal. And you can get it on Amazon Prime, I think, and you can get it on DVD. And I absolutely loved it. So The Shadow Line. That's a good shout. I remember... Remember, that was one of those ones where it's one of those Brit crime dramas that I hadn't seen when it aired and then came to a couple of years later and was like, whoa, how did I miss this? This is amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, that was a good shout. Good shout. That was a good shout. Beth, no pressure. No, there's always pressure in this busy pod. Um, mine was, and I had to check this with you because I didn't know if you'd covered it already. But, it feels um, like the kind of thing I would have done, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I have gone with Flash Forward because I was looking at War of the Worlds and, and this kind of multi-narrative, disaster, mm. expensive show. Um, and Flash Forward was just a spectacular example of how that went wrong. Yeah, isn't it just? <laughs> Although the pilot is incredible. Like, the storytelling and um, the possibility. So it's it starts off with the entire world blacking out for two and a half 
half minutes. Um, and in that time, well, they, they black out. Their conscious mind jumps six months into the future and they see for the, those two and a half minutes where they are in their lives. Apart from one um, character, Dimitri, who's played by John Cho, wonderful John Cho. I love John Cho. Um, uh, who doesn't have a flash forward, um, which leads to the conclusion that he is killed within that time, which is fascinating. I want. I wanted him to be the lead of, of this because that was super mm. interesting. But no, we had Joseph Fiennes, who is a, a handsome and wholesome FBI agent um, who jumps to the future and he's drinking again. He's, he's Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but he um, is drinking. His wife um, is in his home but with Jack Davenport who is to be fair a better choice but um, <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't always know because she's happily married to him and various other characters have, have flashes forward um, a, a, a gay woman uh, is having an um, ultrasound for her kid she's pregnant um, and, and all these little mysteries that are kind of peppered amongst all these different people and then it comes back to this like massive disaster that's happened because obviously they've all blacked out and, and people have died so many people have died and then it's the, the rest of it is them trying to kind of piece it together and it starts off on a really, really strong foot, um, and then it got cancelled, <laughs> and it was really, really frustrating because for every, and I felt like this was like Lost or any Abrams show where like every time a twist is solved, another like twelve pop up in its place, mm. and you're like, oh, for God's sake. Um, but to begin with, really intuitive, really interesting concept. I really liked it. It just completely fell away. Like I know ratings dropped and it got cancelled. No one very good. But if I recall, this got cancelled before. It got cancelled after they'd shot the finale, and that's why, because it ends on another, they have another flash forward in the last yeah. episode, which goes like 20 odd years into the future. <laughs> and you're like, oh Christ, here we go again. Yeah. And so you never know really what happened. But I'd read the book of this, like many, oh. many, many years ago. It's Robert Sawyer, wrote, as a Canadian author, he wrote the science fiction book. I'd read that, so I was quite excited when this came on TV. And also because it did follow after, it surfed the wave of Lost. Yeah. So it was so trying to be the new Lost. And yeah. it had Dominic Monaghan in it as well. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and it wasn't. No. Yeah, or, or from Boyd's point of view it absolutely was well I remember um, Channel because obviously in, in the UK Ch- uh, Channel 4 had Lost yeah they bought Lost rather they, yeah. and they acquired it and they, they bought um, Desperate Housewives so they had the two big kind of um, iconic game changing they were both game changing shows in, the, in in different ways at the time and then Flash Forward came along and Channel 5 bought it <laughs> yeah. I remember thinking oh, we're going to get on this up. and we're going to mo- and we're going to and then it was and it was axed mm. almost before they even started showing it yeah, yeah it was, it it was, was an interesting it was it was a it was concept so to look at yeah. like free will and predetermination and things like that and the inevitability of of where these people end up it just wasn't very interesting yeah. <laughs> so you know never mind uh, but that was a good choice that was a good choice that was, good. That was on my long list so I don't have to do that one now that's, uh, <laughs> that's good that said out of those two shows Shadowline is definitely the best <laughs> <laughs> Just on a losing streak, I am. Sorry, I'm right sorry. I'm gonna, do you know what? I'm gonna come out swinging next week. You won't know what's. You yeah. Know what's oh, no, no, I, I firmly believe. You know, did you? No, actually, I can't. I can't. I can't help you. No. I was gonna say, I firmly, I firmly believe, believe they don't have to be great shows, but actually, no, that see. is kind of the point, that isn't is it? Kind so, of the point. And you know. better. No, it's well, you fine. Don't often be great shows, though. To be fair. To in you. your opinion, boy. <laughs> in your opinion, I yeah, defend true. any and I all of them. I don't want to define Banshee, but I think it can be interesting as well. Yeah. You know, you could have been. In a way, yours is more interesting than mine. You know, one might say you could say so I think it's not necessarily so Beth wins pure. hooray <laughs> you know. on account of being more interesting and Boyd's was tedious right there we go <laughs>
as we tried to say last week, we said, let's not you know reduce everything to competition. That's generally. right. Let's that's do, right. You know, you know. Yeah. Oh. See, the shadow line is better. Right. Well, that is it for another episode of the Pilot TV podcast. We do hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then as ever, please shower us in stars on iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a review? Even if it is to tell me to go on holiday more often. Uh, you can reach me, Boyd and Elizabeth, on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton and at Beth K. Webb. Though, if you want Beth, you might need to go through her agent at this point. Uh, we'll be back next week with, I hope, the long-awaited third season of Westworld. Boyd, what do you reckon the chances of us seeing yeah, that are? I would say slim. Slim? Well, you know. Slim. Well, I don't know. Right. Well, yeah. fingers crossed that we don't have to murderize someone to get hold yeah. of that screener because uh, these violent delights, Boyd, have violent ends. Pilot out.